0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 12. Enjoy. Father, thank you for this time together. We clear our plate. We clear our minds. We take off our religious glasses and we come before you. And thank you for doing a mighty work in us, in Jesus' name, amen. Judah, are we cooking over there? All right. All right, we're going to worship the Lord with the Word, and this is just as much worship as anything else that we do. God has two ways of transforming us, and it's through His Word and through His Spirit. God has exalted His Word above even His name, it says in Psalm 138. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus is the Word. The Word, God is in a book right he's a living breathing God who made heaven and earth thank God for the written word right but this is just a written representation of the living word so we're 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 growing in the living word and we're thankful for the written word hallelujah let's get into the written word we're in our series right now I think we're going to wind it up next Sunday it's called built Jesus tough built Jesus tough and that's who we are God is making us stronger. We're stronger now than we were this morning when we got here. We're stronger this Sunday than we were last Sunday. And we thank God for that. He takes us from strength to strength and glory to glory. So built Jesus tough. A life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus tough. And there are only two steps to becoming Jesus tough. Step number one is making God the Father your all in all. Making knowing Him, your relationship with Him, the passion of your life. That's step number one. And step number two, we had a memory scripture for that, and that was Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified. And step number two was build your life on His promises. God's promises reveal to us His will. And when you become a student of the promises of God you see that it's his will for us to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. God's revealed that to us through his promises. And when we were talking about the soul uh, a few weeks ago, um, about four weeks ago I think it was now, we learned that it's God's uh, will for our soul to be whole, and we had a memory scripture from that. Philippians 4, verse 4 and verse 8. Does anyone want to try the memory scripture this morning? You will get a prize if you can say the memory scripture. Philippians 4, verse 4, and then verse 8. Anyone at all? Donna, you want to go for it? That's good. We'll settle for the NIV. That's all right. Continue and think about these things. Hey, that's good. What about verse 4? How about verse 4? Give you a hint. Rejoice. Rejoice. Good. We'll take it. We'll take it. So you get the award. The award is you get, you, you get a, a little lunch money. So that's your reward for saying. Okay? So good job. God is good. There are rewards for knowing his word. Right? It includes financial rewards, but more than just financial rewards. Knowing his word affects every area of our lives. Good job, Donna. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So that was a verse we had for our soul. We speak to our soul. We tell our soul to rejoice. We have a, a eight criteria that our, that our thoughts have to line up with, right? If they don't meet that criteria, they're not allowed in our mind. Hallelujah. And then we got into the body, and we're talking about God's will for our body. I think we're going to wind that up today and move into provision, God's provision for our life next Sunday. But the clearest place in the Bible to see God's will concerning your physical body is in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is the will of God. Jesus never went contrary to his Father. Jesus never disagreed with his Father. Right? So the clearest place to see in the Bible the will of God concerning your bodies in the ministry of Jesus. So at Highway Church, we exalt Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We have made Jesus the captain of our attention. So we're cultivating this attentive, expectant, steady, and absorbing gaze on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. And that is something that you practice and grow in because there are a lot of things competing for our attention in the world we're living in. But we have made a conscious decision decision to let Jesus be the captain of our attention. How do we do that? I mean, I can't physically touch him. I can't physically see him. God's a spirit, right? He's ascended. Jesus ascended into heaven. So how do we fix our gaze on him? By filling our minds and our hearts with his promises. That's how we do it. God's promises are the fuel that God will use in your life to lead you. If you don't know the promises of God, it's very difficult to discern the voice of God. And there are some who will, who will make you think, you know, you're greedy for always talking about the promises of God. Just get over it and, and do your best in life. But God, it's God's initiative. God set this up. Who am I to implement a new system in place of what God has done? Who am I to say I know better than what he's initiated? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're letting God be God. Boy, is it different when you let God be God in your life. It can be humbling because you realize, right, I really don't know everything. Right. I really don't know as much as I thought I knew, right. right? Second Peter chapter 1, talking about the promises of God, letting Jesus be the captain of our attention. Verse number 2, grace, I love the anachronism: God's riches at Christ's expense, grace, right, God's unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. He initiated and gave it to us. Through his son, we didn't petition him for it. And Irene in the Greek, peace, wholeness, well being, prosperity be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3 Seeing that his divine power, he did this, we didn't, it was his initiative, has granted to us everything. Everything pertaining to life. You think health is included in everything? Of course. Everything pertaining to life. And godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Look at verse 4. For by these, His own glory and excellence. By these, He, notice it's His initiative, He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that we'll have something to put on our greeting cards. Oh, wait a minute. I read that wrong. (laughs) So that by them, by what? His precious and magnificent promises through faith in them, filling our minds with them, filling our hearts with them, by them you may become partakers of, of the divine nature. I'd say his promises are pretty important to him. When you realize the price he's paid to give us his promises, you begin to revere them. You esteem his promises. Not as someone greedy trying to get someone, but as someone who's in love with the one who made them. The the message translation says, of verse number four, speaking of his promises, They are your tickets to participation in the life of God. I've been amazed in the last 27 years walking with the Lord how many believers don't know the promises of God. They know what they've been told in the church they've grown up in, but they don't know the promises. They are our tickets, our access, our entrance into this new kind of life. God has given them to us at the expense of His only Son. So we're going to fill our lives with him for his glory, right? Yes. Hallelujah. We saw last week, we, 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 you know, God's given us a prescription, hasn't he? A prescription for living. Now, let's say you had a medical issue and you went to the top specialist in the world and they gave you a prescription. Would you throw that thing in the trash? You say, eh. no, you would esteem it, what, right? Because this is the top specialist in the world. How much more God when he gives us his word? It's way above anyone on this planet, right? It's way above man's knowledge, right? So we're, we're, we're raptured with the promises of God, right? We're completely consumed and attentive to them. They mean more to us than anything in this world because he's God. There's none higher. No one preceded him. He has no beginning and no end. So, boy, he, he's, he's big in our thinking, right? We exalt him in our thinking. So he's given us a prescription. You remember last week, this prescription for experiencing him, for for experiencing and participating in his nature is in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Speak his promises with your mouth and believe them in, their heart, in your heart. That's a prescription from God. Yeah. To speak His word with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Hallelujah. Right, we're gonna get into some amazing stuff today. Don't stick those religious glasses back on. You'll miss it. All right. Just keep them off. All right. There's a receptacle in the back there. You can put them in. The, the circle file, the circular file, right? The trash can. All right. So we're going to look at this prescription a little deeper and we're going to say some things that might shock you, but it's all right. It's true anyway. All right. right, It's good. You know, I've shared, if you're new here, I've talked about God kind of, I'm a good example of the foolish things to confound the wise, you know, God taking the foolish things and confounding the wise. Um, I've lived a pretty foolish life, you know, And, and God is uh transformed me and, hear, and used me over the years in, in so many different ways, and he gets all the glory for it. Um, now, why did I say that? What was I going to say? I wanted to go to the next scripture. Oh, I know. Shocking. Things to shock you. And one of the things, <laughs> it's just part of the way God's, he's given me that uh, external defibrillator anointing. You know, that clear, you know. And it's shocking, but boy, it, it brings you back. Right. So there are things that, that I will say that you may not hear in a lot of places. But we endeavor to show you they're from the Scriptures. That, that if, you're, if you need a resuscitation, if you need a, a wake-up to come back and to get into the life God has for you, that His Word will resuscitate you. All right? All right, let's, look at, let's go deeper. Proverbs 18.21, God's prescription I'd say God's the top physician, wouldn't you? Isn't that what he said to his people? I am Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord, your physician. We esteem him. He is the expert of experts. Proverbs 18, 21. This is from the scriptures. Didn't write this. It's in there long before I ever was born. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Didn't know that when I grew up. I thought God was keeping death and life in some box somewhere, and hopefully if he had favor on me someday, I might get a little glimpse of it, a little glimpse of life. He might just portion me out a little bit to get me through something. But no, the Bible teaches death and life are in your mouth. right? That you have, God has given you sovereignty, quote unquote, over your life. He's the sovereign Lord, but God has given you a free will to say and believe whatever you want. And when you exercise that in line with his promises, you experience life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God's speaking. This is the Old Covenant, but there are principles in the Old Covenant that still apply. There are things that technically don't apply to us anymore because we're not under that covenant. But there's much to learn from it. Okay? So we certainly don't throw it out Even though we're under the new covenant, we have much to learn from it. Well, God is speaking to Joshua at probably the most challenging time of his life, right? One of the most powerful men of God that ever walked on planet earth had just gone home to be with the Lord, and Joshua was it. It was his turn to take over from Moses, and Moses couldn't lead them into the promised land, couldn't do it. Joshua, it was his responsibility. So you can imagine, with the millions of people, and they're out. They had nothing to rely on but God. You can imagine there were some uh, opportunities to be afraid, to be stressed, to be worried, and and this is what God said to him. So have you ever been in a, facing a difficult situation? Maybe you're facing something now. Lots of opportunities in this world to be stressed out, to be afraid, and here was God's prescription to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your... Oh, What did Proverbs 18.21 say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. tongue. Pay attention to how God emphasizes our words. So important. Far too many believers missing this simple truth. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What does that word meditate mean? If you look at the Hebrew word, it means to say softly to yourself over and over and over again. That's meditating in the word. This was God's instruction to a man at the neediest time of his life. Say my word with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. The word, if you study the Hebrew word for meditate, it also means to imagine in. Imagine yourself in the word. In other words, you see yourself walking in the fulfillment of God's promises. So if you have a knee issue, you fill your, your heart and mind with God's promises regarding healing. He protects all my bones, not one of them shall be broken. Right? Whatever. There's a number of them, and you begin to fill your heart and mind with those, and you meditate in it day and night. You say it to yourself over and over and over again until the light comes on. Yes. Many stop before the light comes on. They try and act on the word, but the light's not on. They just heard it in a message somewhere, and they try and do that same thing, but the light's not on yet. Right. Let the light come on. What do I mean? I shared with you a little bit about my testimony uh, last. Sunday. It took me a good, I don't know, four to six months of meditating on the Scriptures regarding healing before the light came on. And I was saved for like seven years at that point. But when the light came on, I knew it. There was no more struggling, no more trying to believe anymore. It's just I knew it. See? And that, that confidence comes from a meditating on the Word. So stay with it until the light comes on. You say, well, when will the light come on? You'll know. All questions end when the light comes on. When you're trying to find something and it's dark, you, you, you're, you've got questions, you're trying to remember where I put it. When the light comes on, you see it, there it is. So if you're, if you're asking questions, keep meditating. Let the light come on and you'll know. If everybody is different, I'm not saying it's going to take you that long, but I don't know. Our hearts are different. We've been through different things. We have different perspectives, different things we believe. So I don't know what needs to happen inside of you. The Holy Spirit does. As you're meditating in the Word, He's working in there. It's the fuel that, that, that He uh, uses to work and transform us. So if we're not keeping it in our minds, if we're not meditating on it, it's difficult for Him to work in our lives. Remember we saw that Jesus was limited because of their unbelief? We can limit God by, by limiting the fuel we put in ourselves or putting the wrong fuel in. Have you ever put the wrong fuel in a motor? Ooh, right? You've got to have the right type of fuel or bad fuel in a motor. God's promises are the right fuel for our lives. Put them in there. They'll do the work. You just keep meditating on them. And there will come a point where things begin to open up and you'll see things you never saw before. And it's just by doing this meditating, imagining, see yourself. I had an abnormal disc in my spine. There were times it was excruciating for me to move my legs. And I began to imagine and see myself running and jumping. And I'd be laying flat on my back with pain shooting down my legs. You see yourself running and jumping. That's meditating in the Word. Because God has promised that wholeness to us. And as you meditate on that, you begin to see yourself jumping, running, doing what you couldn't do without the promises of God. That's meditating in the Word. The, the man has grabbed a hold of this. They call it visualization, right? In the sports world, or they'll teach visualization. Now, that's a concept from the Word of God. If you're not familiar with what I'm telling you, you'll think, oh, he's just talking about visualization or he's talking about some worldly concept. No, this came from the Bible. See, the the world has taken concepts out of the Bible and they're giving them a different name. People who don't know the concepts hear it in the world. So then they hear someone preaching a message I'm preaching. Oh, that's just, no, God came first. Okay? We're not teaching a new concept, meditating in the Word. God gave us an imagination, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Why did he give us that? To create Mickey Mouse? I'm not against Mickey Mouse. I think that's great. Disney is one of my favorite companies historically. I, I love the things that he did and created. But he gave us our imagination to experience him, to see his word fulfilled in our lives, to see ourselves walking in it before we can see it physically. Your imagination can take you beyond what's currently going on into where he wants you to go. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading this prescription. Proverbs 4. What do we got? Verse 20 up there? Let's do it. Proverbs 4.20. This is the great physician talking. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why, Father? For, this is the reason because they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Wow. That's a promise to to just fill your mind with right there. Just fill your mind with. God's words are health to all my whole body. The Hebrew means for the word health, medicine, cure, Remedy, God's words are the medicine, the cure, and the remedy for my whole body. There are some prescriptions you take you have to take for days or weeks before they they have full effect, right? If you get a a wound on your skin and you rub ointment into that, you don't see that thing go away, do you? You got to rub it in, rub it in. Might have to apply it every day, right? You keep rubbing it in. That's meditating in the Word. You're you're, you're rubbing the Word into your body when you're speaking it, right? With the stripes that wounded Jesus. I have been healed. Himself took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. It'll take you to new places. I remember I had a a bout with poison ivy years ago, and I had it from here down to there. This was uh, before I was saved. And uh, I, I, I came to know Christ. I shared with you last Sunday... About seven years after I knew Christ, began meditating in the Word. He took me to a whole new level of health that I had never known before. Been enjoying it now for about 20 years. It'll be 20 years at the end of the summer here. And I, I, you know, I began reading scriptures like Mark 16 and Luke 10, where it talks about poison things not harming you. I began to speak to my body as we've been living on a property, different poison ivy around in different places. I began to speak to my body, say, Poison ivy has no effect on you. Not a life, no big deal, not a life-threatening thing, but hey, I want to, I'm going higher. I want to, I want to apply the word to every detail in my life. So it was uh, two weeks ago, I was weed whacking, and I had my goggles on, and sometimes the stuff pops up, you only see what you're doing, but I was whacking, and I looked down after stuff was flying all over me, I noticed I just went through a big patch of poison ivy, you know, flew up into my face and my arms, you know. And, uh, and, I, and then my memory came back to, to that the to breakout from head to toe, you know. And, I, and then I said, no, it has no effect on me anymore. It has no effect on me anymore. With the stripes of wounded Jesus, I'm healed. And then maybe that next day, I started to see some spots, you know. And then under here, there was a, a spot here. I started getting really itchy. I said, nope, you're not allowed to operate in my body anymore. I, I take authority over you. You're not allowed to operate in my body anymore. It's forbidden. And guess what happened? It went away. Very quickly. Very quickly. Simple little thing. Simple little thing. See, if you get to know God in the little things, you'll, you'll know Him in the big things. People want to wait till something big happens and then run to God. Why not know Him in the small things of your life and let Him build you up? See? Isn't that a natural progression? right, someone wants to learn an instrument, I don't show them a diminished scale right away, I don't start, I I just show them a simple little thing that they can do, right, you start, know God in the simple things, poison ivy, that's a simple thing, right, begin to apply the word of God in the simple things in your life, and you'll be ready for anything else, right, hallelujah, Romans 10, we're reading God's prescription, verses 8 through 10, Here it is again. Boy, we're going to get into some real humdingers here in about a few minutes. But what does it say? What does God's prescription say? The Word is near you. Ah, that's so relieving. Religion makes you think it's uh, unattainable. That's not what Jesus said. The Word is near you. It's where? Ah! You can't get closer than this. The Word's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your what? We've talked about the mouth a lot today, haven't we? Right? God talks a lot about our tongue, our mouth, our words, right? Your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be sozo, S-O-Z-O in the Greek. We're saying saved there in English, means made whole healed. Confess God's word with your mouth, believe it in your heart, and you will be healed. Same word when Jesus said to the the woman in Mark 5, your faith has sozo, has made you whole. Same word. God's prescription. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Wow. Okay then. There's a little connection that we're going to get into. You ready? You might need to, to put your seatbelts on. I'm going to say some stuff to you that you might think is just crazy, but it's all right. It's true anyway. There's an undeniable connection between righteousness and salvation. That word salvation in the Greek is soteria. It also means wholeness, healing, well-being, to be set at one again. All right? There's an undeniable connection between righteousness and healing, and we're going to get into this, between righteousness and healing. This is so important because as you begin to learn to meditate in the Word of God, begin to speak the Word of God over your body, believe it in your heart, we, the fallen nature has a tendency to go back under the law of sin and death. That's where religion came from man's attempt to try and appease God. You see it all over the globe. That's religion. That's not what we have. That's the law of sin and death. See, we all know by, by default that we've all missed it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we're, we're trying to atone for that in some way, maybe giving a lot of money to charity, doing good deeds, something. But we can't atone for that. So the law of sin and death states very simply, if you sin, you die about as simple as we can make it, right? Law of sin and death. But there's a different law in operation now that we're under. And we're going to take a look at that, all right? It's in Romans chapter 8. But before we go there, let me just share this with you a little bit. So if you start to fall back under this law of sin and death, it's a law of performance. And Satan will make you think you can't have or this can't happen in your life because you haven't done enough right things. So religion will say, Stop sinning and you'll be right. You'll be righteous. Just stop sinning. Jesus didn't say that. See, religion emphasizes what you do. If you can just do enough right things, you'll be righteous. That's impossible. That's, that's bringing a, a, whole, a, a real low standard of righteousness down. Because the standard for righteousness is God himself. I can't be God. I can't be perfect in myself. I can't do what he's done. If you've missed it once, you've missed it all. See? That's how the law is. You miss one part of it, you miss the whole thing. So if I do 100 things right today, I'm no better than if I did 100 things wrong. In terms of my standing with God, might mess up my life, but in terms of this righteous standing, I need something more powerful than my behavior, than my performance. I need the righteousness of God to take me out from under this law of sin and death. So religion says, says, don't sin and you'll be righteous. God says, be righteous and you won't sin. Religion focuses on doing, God focuses on being. That's why he is I am, not I do. Too many Christians living I do instead of I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yes. So when you realize who you are in Christ, your focus shifts from trying to be righteous to overcoming sin and being righteous. Stay in God's grace and truth. It's the abundance of His grace and the gift of His righteousness. Look at John chapter 1, verse 17. You don't want to get into your own efforts. It's not faith in our performance that causes us to receive from God. It's faith in Christ's performance. It's not faith in what we've done. It's faith in what he's done. So when he said to the woman in Mark 5, he said, your faith has made you whole, he didn't mean her faith in herself or her faith in other people. He meant her your faith in me. You see that? Be aware of that as you're going on with the Lord. It's not hard to shift from faith in him to faith in yourself. And the devil will really have a field day with you and try and get your faith shifted from him to faith in what you've done. And that doesn't work. It's faith in him that works, okay? So John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, good old Mo, right? But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Pay attention, That truth is paired with grace, not with the law. Religion tries to stick truth with the law. Do you know all the law could do was was cause us to see that we were sinners? Our desperate need for a Savior, that's all the law could do. But the frustrating thing about it, it couldn't set us free from sin. It couldn't heal us. It couldn't deliver us. It just showed us our need for a Savior and a healer. But Jesus came, and he brought with them grace and truth. And it's those two together that set us free. All right? Grace and truth. Now let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now, because Jesus brought grace and truth, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Why? For the law of the Spirit of life. This is the new law in operation now. Which one are you under? The law of sin and death or the law of Spirit of life in Christ? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Well, we know what the law of sin and death is, right? You sin, you die. All of us deserve death, right? In our own merits, we've all fallen short. What's the law of the Spirit of life? that we deserve life now because of what Jesus did. That our righteousness is from Him. It's from Him. That His sacrifice is infinitely greater than every sin man has ever committed rolled into one. Funny how religion exalts sin as if it's greater than what God did. No, we exalt Christ. It's infinitely greater. I mean, as a young man, I was bound in sin, so confused. You know, playing in clubs and coming home at 4.30 in the morning in in whatever, 10th or 11th grade. You know, I was very confused. When I came to know Christ and realized what I'm sharing with you, boy, that stuff just fell off me. It fell off me. Stuff that I was bound in had no hold on me, not because I was trying to stop, because, be, because I was putting my, fixing my gaze on Him and realized that's not who I was anymore. You remember the phrase that, that we say a lot here? We're not sinners saved by grace. That's one of those clear. Pff. We were sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Now we're the righteousness of God in Christ. I mean, that's like thrown in prison in in religiousville for saying something like that, right? That's straight to jail. But it's the Bible. We were sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Now we're God's sons and daughters. He doesn't have any sinners in his family. He loves people. He loves them regardless of how they're living. He doesn't condone our behavior if it's sinful, but he loves them. But when you come into his family, you're cleansed head to toe. Let's take a look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is talking about God and Jesus. It says, for God made Jesus, who knew zero sin, never messed up, to be sin for us so that we might become a little better than we were before we were saved. The righteousness of God. That's the standard. Through faith in Christ, God took our sins and gave us His righteousness. This will absolutely transform you. This is where victory over sin comes in. When you realize that's not who you are anymore, that you're now a new creation. In Christ Jesus, you're the righteousness of God in him. Do you guys remember Isaiah 54, 17? It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And then it says the end of the verse, um, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. God has given you his righteousness through faith in Christ. Revolutionary, world-changing right here. Do you know that? The devil wants to keep you under the law if you don't do it through condemnation. What does this have to do with healing? Why are we talking about righteousness? Why are we talking about healing? They go together. When you know you're righteous, faith will begin to operate in your life. Not because of you, because of him. The effect of righteousness of the realization of the righteousness you've been given is healing. I know, I know. It sounds crazy. You ready? Isaiah 32, verse 17, from the fifth gospel. There's so much Jesus in Isaiah, it's amazing. This is prophetic now. The effect of righteousness will be shalom. Wholeness, healing, prosperity, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness, tranquility, and confident trust forever. Wow. There is an undeniable connection when you begin to study the promises of God between righteousness and health. Let's go deeper. Before we leave this, see that word effect? The effect of righteousness will be wholeness, will be healing. You know what the word effect means? It means a change that is the result of an action. Whose action? God sending his son. Didn't we read 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made him with no sin to be sinful. So that him That's the action. The effect of the action of God sending his son is shalom, internal and external in our lives, wholeness. The effect also means the state of being or becoming operative. It also means the extent to which something succeeds or is operative in our lives. The righteousness of God, realizing that you're righteous before him, and causes his promises to be activated in our lives. That's what Romans 10 says in like verse 7 or 6. It says, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. All right? All right, let's go on to Psalm 103. We're, all, we're almost there. Psalm 103. Pay attention. I didn't write this. We're, going to, we're looking at the connection between righteousness and healing. I'm not saying that if someone's sick, it's because they've sinned. Religion will tell you, oh, you're sick. You must have done something wrong. No, we've all sinned. Sickness came with the curse of sin. Now, it could be the result of a decision someone's made. It could be. But sometimes sickness just zaps somebody because the devil tries to steal and kill and destroy us. So we, we don't know that. But we do know this. We know what God's done. So we don't focus on what we don't know, we focus on what we do know, right? All right, Psalm 103, verse two, praise the Lord, O my soul. This is prophetic of what Christ would do for us on the cross, the effect of this event of righteousness. This is it right here. And God lists for us the benefits of our salvation. Okay, go on, don't forget all his benefits, what are they? Well, I'll list them for you. Next verse. Who forgives all your sins. That wasn't in the Old Covenant. The blood of bulls and goats just covered their sin. Didn't forgive them. Didn't didn't take it away. Right? This is prophetic. Forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Don't forget these benefits. Some of them not only forgot them, they were never aware of them in the first place. (laughs) Because they were never taught them in church. So we want to be aware of them and then not forget them, right? Let's learn them maybe, huh? Soul, learn these benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. What's the next one? Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. What were the first two benefits that he listed? Go back to verse 3 there. Sins... And sickness, right? Yeah. Healing, forgiveness and healing. Righteousness and healing. Do you see that? Yeah. First two things he mentioned. Yeah. Praise the Lord all my soul forgetting all, for you, you're getting right, all, you're righteous through faith in me and you're healed through faith in me. Yeah. You see that connection? Yeah. There's a whole lot more we don't have time to go through. Let's see. Okay. Went on to verse 4. Redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Yeah. Tender mercies. Now before we read this next one, I'm going to ask you a question. Just stay in your seats. You don't, you don't have to turn and look anyway, just you don't have to answer out loud. What's your concept of health and aging? What are your expectations as your birthdays start to grow in numeric value? Have you renewed your thinking according to the promises of God regarding aging? What so many do in all areas of life is they base their thinking on what they've seen in their lives. Based on mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and cousin so-and-so or based on what I've been through, you'll find the promises of God go way beyond anything we've ever seen. Why am I talking about aging? Because we haven't read the next verse yet. Verse 5, talking about righteousness And healing, who satisfies your desires with good things, I didn't write this, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, here we go. You can throw stones if you want to. Righteousness includes the renewal of your youth. Sorry, it's the Bible. You'll get a very different different concept of aging if you meditate in the promises. There are people who are expecting dementia when they hit a certain number. They're expecting Alzheimer's. They're expecting aches and pains because that's what they've seen, and this is foreign to them. See, we're training ourselves to walk in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus not dementia. Our expectation is for the law of the spirit of life to operate in our lives all of our days. Why did God put this in there? You know, it's in various places in the Bible. You want to look at another one? We're talking about healing. Healing applies to every age group. Moses, under the old covenant, who messed up and couldn't take God's people into the promised land, lived to be 120 years old. His eyes were not dim. His strength was not abated. Caleb, God spoke to, him, to, God spoke to his people at age 40. Caleb was 40 years old and told them to go in and take the promised land. No one else believed did him and Joshua, right? He had to wait 45 years at 85 years old, he came to Joshua and said, I'm as strong now as I was then. Give me my mountain. Wow. 85 years old, he led his people into war and, yes. and took what belonged to him. I shared with you uh, different times, but I, I found a 93 year old bodybuilder online. He was competing. He didn't get into bodybuilding until he was like 70 or something. And he looked at this. This guy, I, as far as I know, he doesn't know the Lord at all, doesn't know anything I'm sharing with you. But this, as I remember, there's a couple different guys I looked at. One was like 93, and one was in his 80s, both bodybuilders. And, and one of them said, yeah, I looked in the mirror when he was like, I don't know, 70, something like that. And he said, I just said, you're too flabby. He said, I'm not going to be that way anymore. And he started working out. And they told him, you can't do that at your age. You know, you can't do those movements at your age. Yeah, he didn't listen. He didn't. I, he, no promises of God here, just determination. What would happen if we believed this? What would our life look like at 90? This guy was ripped, chisel chest, you know? They didn't even have an age category for him in the competition. They had to make one, right? What would happen when we take God at his word? I think the oldest... Living guy I saw on record was 123 years old. There was a woman, 122, in France. From back in 1990, she died. So, look at this now. We're going into Job. Let's just just go there. You all right? It's good. It's all right. Clear. (laughs) All right. Job 33. Oh, you know what? We missed verse verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8, Psalm 103. Go ahead. Or verse 6. I'm sorry. Right after he says all those things, forgiveness, healing, loving kindness, mercy, renewal over your youth, what's the next verse? The Lord works righteousness. It's all connected. All right, now let's go into Job. Job 33. Job, probably the most misunderstood book in the Bible. Uh, I've heard some good teachings on it. I've heard some lousy ones. But it's a powerful book, right? you got to understand it and read it through the light of Jesus Christ. Satan attacked Job. God didn't, all right? And understand, too, remember the Bible's a progressive revelation of God. Job's the oldest book in the Bible, which means they had the least light on who God was. But there is revelation of Christ in Job. So Satan attacks Job and his family. Horrible tragedy. Job is grieving. And along come three friends who are called miserable comforters. And, And at the end of Job, Job repents of the things that he said before God. And God says, you pray for your three friends. But there's one person in Job, Elihu, that is a type of Christ. And he speaks. And he's the only one, God says, you don't need to repent. And this is what he says to Job. And Christ is all over it. Verse 23, he's talking to Job and he, he's prophetically speaking of what life will be like when we have a mediator. Job didn't have a mediator between him and heaven. If there is a messenger for him, for man, a mediator, what does 1 Timothy 2.5 say? There is one, uh, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. This is prophetic of Jesus. If there is a mediator between us and God, one among thousands, to show man God's righteousness. Don't go too fast here. If there could be a mediator between fallen man and God who could impart to man God's righteousness, life would be different. Do you know everyone in the Old Covenant, including Moses, longed for the day we're living in right now? When there would be a mediator between us and God that would impart to us his righteousness? That we could become the temples of the Holy Spirit? If there would be such a one. Let's read the next verse. Then God is gracious to him and says, deliver him from going down to the pit. Another translation, destruction. Remember Psalm 103 delivers us from destruction. Prophetic, what Jesus did. Jesus went to the pit, right? Why would he do this? Deliver him from destruction. I have found a ransom. Has God found a ransom for you? I don't know. I guess it depends on how many mistakes you've made. No. He found a ransom for us. Who is his ransom? Jesus is our ransom. Life is different now because we have a ransom. God sent his son to be our ransom and take us out from the law of sin and death and bring us into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's imparted his righteousness to us. The King James says it this way. Verse 25, are you ready? His flesh, that's his stuff right here, shall be fresher than a child. What? We're talking about ransom and righteousness and a mediator. What's it have to do with our flesh, everything? His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. Do you remember naming the leper when he was healed? God gave him a simple instruction. He didn't want to listen to it. Got mad, told the prophet to go take a hike. God's ways are simple. And then his servant said, "And why are you mad? If he would have told you something difficult, you would have done it. Why don't you do the simple thing? Just do the simple thing. The simplicity that's in Christ. Come on, speak with your mouth, believe in your heart. Just do the simple thing. Stop trying to climb a mountain and do the simple thing. Right? He said, uh, Naaman was healed. He went went into the Jordan and dipped, what, seven seven times? And it says his flesh, fresh like a child's, fresher than a child's. That's a confession to speak over your flesh right now. The message says it this way. Before you know it, you're healed. The very picture of health. The New Living Translation says, Then his body will become as healthy as a child's, firm and youthful again. I remember in each decade of my life, I'd hear people talking about their age and the pains. And and as I would go to different decades, there'd be more people younger than me, right? And I remember they said, at this so-and-so, it's going to be like this. I didn't listen to any of that. Any of that. Who told people that at 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, this is going to happen to your body? And why do you believe that? As if God didn't have the foresight to design a body that could last our time on earth. Glory to, Glory to God. Firm and youthful again. Verse 26. He shall pray unto God and He will be favorable unto Him and He shall see His face with joy in His presence is fullness of joy for God will render unto man His righteousness. It changed everything. We're we're clean before God now. There's nothing between us and the Father. We can come before his throne day or night with boldness, without shame. He's rendered unto man his righteousness. God will render unto man the righteousness of God. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. Now we understand 1 Peter 2.24. Let's put it up there. There's a lot of history behind 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins... In his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Righteousness, healing. Righteousness, healing. Hallelujah. All right, last scripture and we're all done. Are you ready? Last scripture. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. Boy, do we see this. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought Meads to bring him in and lay him before him. Why were they there? They wanted their friend to be healed, right? They didn't want Jesus' autograph. They wanted their friend to be healed. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop, they are intent, and led him down through the, the tiling with, the, with his couch. Into the midst before Jesus. Okay, verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith, who was their faith in? Jesus. Not themselves. Jesus. He said unto a man, oh, your sins are forgiven. Wait, Jesus, they're not there for that. They brought him to you for healing. Why are you talking about sins? Because they're connected. Your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which spreadeth blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, What reason you in your hearts? What's easier to say, your sins be forgiven or rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick, Arise, take up your couch, and go into your house. And immediately he rose up and went to his own house righteousness, and healing, okay? We're going to end in this way. We're going to speak the word of God together, all right, to help you grow and in this practice, all right? These are scriptures that come from, uh, well, we'll just list the scriptures. Go into that confession there, Eden. The scriptures are listed at the bottom. You can just take a picture of that with your phone. You can look up the scriptures later. But this is meditating in the word. We're going to speak the word of God with our mouths. We're going to believe it in our heart, all right? So let's speak the word of God. Are you ready? You're saying this to yourself. All right? To your body. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, forgiven of all my sins, cleansed once forever. That's from Hebrews 10.2. There is no condemnation for me, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death forever. Next one. Soul, hear me. Body, hear me. He has forgiven you all your sins. He has healed all your diseases. He has redeemed you from destruction. Let's say it again. Soul, hear me. Body, hear me. He has forgiven All your sins, He has healed all your diseases. He has redeemed you from destruction. He has crowned you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Next one. Got one more E, right? Your flesh is fresher than a child's. You're the very picture of health. By Jesus' stripes you are healed. Let's say it again. Your flesh is fresher than a child's. You're the very picture of health. By Jesus' stripes you are healed. I am strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The Lord is the strength of my soul. The Lord is the strength of my body. The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. That's meditating in the Word. If you've not done that, that's what it is. And we do this day and night. It's rolling around in us. You'll get to the point, it's just flowing in you. Flowing in you. Even when you're dreaming and sleeping, it's flowing in you. Right? All right, Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that renews our youth like the eagles. Thank you, Lord, for our bodies full of your word. We worship you this morning. And, Lord, we ask you to instruct us, to take us higher, to lead us forward into the fullness of your plan and purpose for our lives. We refuse to settle for 83%, Jesus. We want 100% of you. We're not settling for anything less in our lives and we thank you for 100% of you for revealing more of you to us each day. We live with you unashamed regardless of what people might say about us. We're going all the way because there is no life apart from you. There's no love apart from you. And we thank you for transforming us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good he is.